Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. Does the subject of money make you uncomfortable? Do you know how much money you've saved for retirement? Do you control that money or does your partner? Do you have an emergency fund for when you know the hits the fan? I'm always on the lookout for women who can teach us something and today's guest is ready to do that. She's the CEO of an all-female wealth management company called O'Brien Wealth Investors. And she's pretty open about the fact that as a single mom of two boys, she is always juggling, sometimes in heels, wearing a tutu. She comes to us today with plenty of stories about how she got to where she is today, including all the bumps along the way. And she's got lots of wisdom to share about life and money. Her name is Jill Fopiano, and this is her story. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. There is so much to learn from you, so let's dive right in. The first thing is, what is this business about the money taboo? The money taboo is the fact that while it's not solely women, most women would rather talk about any topic besides money. In fact, death is a more welcome subject than money. And what this does is it puts women at a, an extreme disadvantage when it comes to thinking about their retirement and their savings. And it also makes them not understand where to go to get advice. It's a very taboo topic, and it's really not healthy. Are we socialized to not ask about money, do you think? I think a lot of it stems from our backgrounds. We look at our parents' behavior. We're taught it's not polite to talk about money. We're taught that people who have money don't talk about it. And we're even taught at a very young age, sometimes girls just aren't good at math. Is there a difference between how men and women think about money? There absolutely is. And again, this is a generalization because before your partner's debts in a divorce, you need to understand that there's ways of splitting assets that can be very disadvantageous or advantageous to one partner or another. For instance, if you split retirement accounts versus taxable brokerage accounts, there's a chance that there's a big loss carry forward in a taxable account that can be used to offset income in the future. If one party ends up getting that type of account, that's a potential large financial impact. If you don't pay attention to those things, you're not really going to understand the full picture and you can put yourself at a disadvantage. For the woman who is listening to us right now, who's in a relationship but just does not know enough about the family finances. Maybe she's listening to our podcast and she's going, oh, God, oh, God, and she's shaking her head. How do you break through this? Help us to empower her. What are the questions she should start to ask? Again, it's a really tough topic to talk about because money is so fraught with emotion and power and control. And particularly in relationships where it hasn't been brought up, having the conversations for the first time can be incredibly difficult. I think the easiest way to do it is in the presence of a third party. If you can phrase it or put it in the context of wanting to discuss joint goals rather than any type of investigative or accusatory manner, and you meet with a financial planner, for instance, and say, I want to get together and talk about our future and, and how we're going to meet our goals. Usually, a financial planner, almost always, will 
have you lay everything out on the table. And that's a good way in a very neutral environment to really open the kimonos. I'm thinking that if you haven't asked any of these questions and suddenly you go to your spouse, I want to talk all about where's our money? How co- I don't understand this. That feels a little combative. And I think you're Absolutely. noticing that right away. Absolutely. You've been in this situation before, <laughs> haven't you? I can tell. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen it all, I think, or at least most of it. <laughs> you are the CEO of O'Brien Wealth Partners, an all-female wealth management firm. What is the significance of a women-owned financial management group in a male-dominated industry? Well, first, for infinite clarity, while we're... women-owned, which makes us very unique in the industry. We do hire men, okay? so We We love men. We love men. We have male clients. Yes. Uh, We hire the best person for the job. Right. And we work with a lot of couples in addition to women, and we work with men as well. What I think makes us unique is that this industry is very male-dominated. The statistic is 25% of advisors are female. And when you get to the upper echelons of management, the numbers become even lower. I grew up on Wall Street in the 90s. I was often one of the only women in the room, usually mistaken for a secretary or a flight attendant. I mean, I have stories that could curl your hair. After 20 years in that world, I saw an opportunity both to empower women in a firm that employed them as partners, but also I saw this need as women are increasingly responsible for more and more of the wealth to empower women from an educational and action perspective. I have a funny story to tell you. You'll get a kick out of this one. Marilyn Carlson Nelson, one of my very favorite interviews way back in 2009 for a program I did for years and created called The Exceptional Women Show. She told me what it was like to be a stockbroker on Wall Street in the 1950s. She had to sign her name, M.C. Nelson, on her trade orders in order to hide her gender because no one would respect her decisions, even though they were excellent for her clients. They entrusted her with the money, but they didn't know she was a woman, and the firm decided to keep that a very well-kept secret. Now, that is pretty incredible. Years pass, and she is or goes on to become the CEO of the worldwide leisure company, Vaganly Worldwide, and under her were 150,000 employees around the world. So what a success story. She's got a book called How We Lead Matters. What do you think when you hear that story? I think it's incredible. The progress between 1950s and 1990, okay, certainly did happen. And I think the world's come a long way since then, even as well. But what did you see? You said you were the only woman in the room, often confused with, oh, is this the secretary? Mm -hmm. Tell us some of those stories. I remember being at a closing dinner after we closed a major deal. I was working for an investment bank. I think I was about 26 at the time. It was the go-go era of the 90s, so it was a real high-end New York restaurant. Everybody was posturing about where they were going to sit because they all wanted to sit near, you know, the big honchos. And I said, let's sit boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. And then I said, oops, I'm the only girl. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I tried to make light of the situation because I didn't know any other reality. Yeah. I had a trader once pour a shot of tequila on my head because I wouldn't kiss him in the middle of the trading floor. But again, to react to that would have been 
I thought in my mind career suicide because who would hire me ever after that? So I didn't know what different reality was. I just kind of laughed and just plodded along and grew some pretty thick skin, tried to kind of fit in and be one of the guys. That was really my option. You know, and in fact, I also read that when you were the only woman in the room, in order to be heard or respected, you just went out and got yourself as many titles as you possibly could, took as many exams and got letters after your name. So people had to respect you. That is true. So I, I was sort of a designation junkie. I got a CFA, a CFP, an MBA, a lot of letters after my name. Yep, but you know what that true. does, though, Jill? That just increases your own self-confidence, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it gives you that extra, hey, wait, I took this class. I, I know this. I can do this, especially when you're in a field where there aren't a lot of women there who have your back. Mm-hmm. What is the mission, the culture of your company now? We have a very unique culture in that we believe that wealth is really about how it lets you live your life, not a number. Because what is it in the end? You look back and you don't say, I have X in my account. You look back and you said, these are the experiences that I had. And this is what money allowed me to do. Therefore, the whole way we manage money is based on its purpose. We do a lot of financial planning to help our clients understand what their opportunities are. We try to help them figure out ways in which they can spend their money, granted saving enough of them so that they are insured a secure future. But over and above that, how can they spend their money for the causes that are important to them, for the things that they want to do after having worked so hard for much of their lives? You know, how much they want to leave their kids, what their legacy is. And we're incredibly collaborative. We're very transparent. We're authentic and we're real. We don't hide behind mahogany walls or leather briefcases or blue power suits. We just sit on the same side of the table as our clients and we create those deep relationships that make them really talk to us. On a personal level, you are also a single mom. I was one for 15 years, working full time. I realized early on that it did take a village to raise my kids. Talk to me about your children and the home that you have created for them. So I've been a single mother essentially since my youngest son was about three months old. They're 12 and 15 now, so about the same as you. In many ways, it's a blessing because I'm the decision maker. (laughs) Honestly, it's like having more than two full-time jobs. It's the hardest thing I ever did. It's really hard. And you think when they're two and four and five that it's not going to be any harder, right, than it it is then because you're exhausted and you can't let them out in the street alone because they're going to go hurling into the middle of it. (laughs) And then they become teenagers and all of a sudden the set of problems is just completely different. And at 1130 at night, they want to talk existentially about their purpose and their future and what their passion is and You're like, oh, my God, I want to go to bed now. But you know what? Those treasured moments of a 15-year-old boy wanting to talk to you, you can't say no. And so I think you end up incredibly sleep-deprived. I'm not sure that's different than any other parent. But I've tried to create a home where I always treated my kids like mini adults, honestly. And I've always tried to treat them the way that I work with my colleagues, with putting what I call outing the elephants. If there's an issue, you raise it. You don't let things fester. You focus 10% of the time on the problem and 90% on the solution. 
Because if you ruminate on the problem, it's really wasted energy. And that's a really tough thing to tell a teenager because they want to ruminate on the problem. And I'm like, call your friends and ruminate, okay? Because I'm really not your ruminator girl. If you want to go to solution space, come to me. And then sometimes I feel bad that I'm not that empathic mom that I read about, but I'm the good solution mom. I'm good at that. It's never perfect. The work-life balance is a myth. I feel like I'm kind of good at both. Even the dog is male. Even the dog is male. And you fill in as the third base coach for your son's baseball team. How do you hold on to your femininity there, Joe? (laughs) The only chick in the room, you know? Funny story here, actually. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. It takes teamwork to put a weekly series like this together. I am so grateful to Jordan Rich and Ken Carberry for giving the story behind her success a home at Chart Productions. And to Dan Tebow, our editor from Fast Twitch Media. JC Valeris at Platinum Circle Media, who handles our social media marketing and so much more. Thank you all for making me look so good. As third base coach, and this was when my son was actually playing rec baseball, so it wasn't as serious, and I just filled in because having a body in the third base coaching box was more intimidating than not having one, right? And my calls were only right about half the time, so the kids (laughs) learned not to really listen to me because I'd be like, steal, no, stop, steal, stop, (laughs) steal, stop. So they learned not to listen to me. I used to go directly from work, so I'd have on like black dress and red heels, and it was hard to be taken credibly, but... My team at work actually bought me a pair of four-inch high-heeled high tops so that I could wear sneakers in the third base coaching box. You have to give me a picture of that so that we can use it as part of the show, okay? I will. Everyone needs to see that. So I could have the high tops, I could have the sneakers, and still wear my heels. And they wrote a cute little note saying, we want you to look stylish while you're coaching third base. How important has it been for you in these tough times sometimes to hold on to your sense of humor? It's critically important because I found if you can't laugh at yourself, first of all, everyone else will, and you'll feel bad. There's so much in life that you could look at as sad or tragic or whatever, but there's also a lot of irony. And I choose to look at the irony rather than the sadness. And that's, I think, given me a lot of strength. Jill, I love your five secrets to balancing career and family and self. Can you pass those along to our audience? When you feel like quitting, don't. That's the time you want to run harder. The second is sometimes it will feel like the world's falling apart. You need to do whatever it takes to maintain forward momentum and to keep on moving. The third is don't expect a balance of work-family life on any given day. I mean, over time it should even out, but it's unrealistic to think that it's going to happen Making gains requires taking risks. Sometimes you have to jump and think the net is going to be there. You're not sure it is, but you really, really have to hope so and trust that it's going to be there. And the fourth is on your worst or hardest days, wear your best tutu. (laughs) I love that. 
it, you know, my mom actually gave me that advice. If you don't feel great, you want to at least look good because you kind of want to fake it till you make it there. Thank you. I love those five secrets. You call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. What does that mean? I didn't set out thinking that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I set out on my career thinking that I would spend my life working in the corporate world. After a certain number of years, I got really jaded by it because I saw the same policies being reenacted again and again. I saw management come in and for the sake of making change, do the same things that hadn't worked 10 years before. And I also saw how difficult it was in that world to do the right thing for the client. I started to look around and I found this world of the registered investment advisor. Happened to find a great opportunity to join a small firm as a partner and became the president, the CEO, and ultimately the owner But again, it was more a calling from something to something than it was sort of a desire to build something. It feels to me like a mission. Absolutely. When I looked at my second act, as I call it, or second half, I call myself a refugee from the big bank world. I didn't want to stay in a world where I felt like everybody was trying to grab a slice of the pie. I wanted to help everyone else build a bigger pie. I wanted to ensure that what we were doing for our clients was absolutely the right thing because I feel like paying it forward is the way that everyone ends up benefiting. Life has a way of throwing us curveballs. You know this from being a third base coach, right? Mm. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I'm a pretty strategic person. So I look at the obstacle and try to assess the way around it. And I wasn't always this way. My former husband used to say that I would look at a wall, and even if it had a door, I would try to bash my way through the wall. Okay. But I think I've matured a little bit since then. Now I look at the obstacle and figure out whether I need to bash my way through it, which still is an option, or whether there's a way around it or a way to move it, or maybe I delegate it to somebody else to move, somebody who has better skills than I do in moving that object. I think I take a little more of a balanced approach now than I did back then when I just started to push my way through the obstacle. Well, you know, age is wisdom, right? Yeah, it's got to be something. We have to make some mistakes before we get to where the truth is. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life, and can you pass it along to our audience? Well, right before I came here, I was in a meeting, and I had back-to-back meetings all morning, and it was a crazy weekend, and I said to my colleague, Cindy, God, I haven't prepared at all for this podcast interview, and she said, Jill, you are actually the best when you don't rehearse, and when you're not rehearsed, and you're just you, you sound authentic, so I think That was interesting advice because typically I'd like to be somewhat prepared for things. (laughs) But that aside, my mother once told me that you never get anything unless you ask for it. I think in the working world, that has really benefited me because I was never afraid, even back on Wall Street when I was the only woman in the room, to go to the head of trading and say, I want to be a trader or I want X. I was never afraid to do that because I never expected them to hand it to me. If you could talk to Jill, the young woman sitting in that room full of men on Wall Street all those years ago, knowing what you know now, 
what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself that you don't need to follow the straight and narrow path all the time. And that the twists and turns that life throws you, while it may seem like it's taking you down, actually can be opportunities that you don't know are there. The quote that I go to is that Alice had to fall really deep and hard down the rabbit hole before she got to Wonderland. Sometimes you just don't know what hole you're going to fall down. And when you get there, it can look really weird. But if you embrace it, you don't reject it, there can be a tremendous opportunity. At this moment, in this chapter in your life, and I do believe, having interviewed hundreds and hundreds of women, that we have chapters in our lives. If I had asked you 10 years ago what success meant to you, you might not have the same answer. Right now, what does success mean to you, Jill? Right now, success means to me to have healthy, happy kids, to have a team that loves what they do, and clients who appreciate us for who and what we are, and to have some amount of time to dedicate to actually making myself better from a personal perspective. Jill Fopiano, CEO of O'Brien Wealth Partners, LLC. I want to say thank you so much for being our guest and for offering us so much wisdom about wealth and money and life itself. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?